Hey guys, welcome back to Flick Talk with your favourite hosts, Fee and Belle. I'm Fee. And I'm Belle. And today you are joining us for, um, as we mentioned before, this is Fee's birthday month. So this is a month of her favourite rom-coms. And today we are diving into when Hallie... When... <laughs> Couple ship name. <laughs> we are diving into when Harry met Sally. Over to you, Fee. The most kind of iconic rom-com there is, um, as backed by critics, which we'll later get into. But we have a really special guest uh, with us today. Um, if you follow us on Twitter, you'll see that we're kind of like fangirling about, uh, yeah, fangirling um, over this lovely podcaster. Um, we have the lovely Erin with us from um, at It's a Fandom Thing. Um <laughs> pod sorry <laughs> i forgot that bit <laughs> it's a fandom thing pod <laughs> um hi erin how how's everything going hi erin welcome hi. to flick talk hi thank you so much for having me i'm so excited to be on here and talk about one of my absolute favorite rom-coms so yeah i was just re-watching it last night and still as great as ever so thank you so much for having me on here i really appreciate it so i'm excited to Yay. talk about this yeah, film. I can't thank, wait. You for, thank you for bestowing your presence you're like our first official yeah. podcast uh host awesome um, with us so you yeah. have like actual experience unlike um the two amateurs sitting with you um but yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Well, I'm still learning every day. I mean, I learn yeah, something new every sure. day. Yeah. So, we yeah. Do every, yeah, yeah, every every day. Um, so yeah. we're just going to kind of dive in um, <laughs> to this lovely uh, movie, which holds a very dear place to my heart. Um, so, mm. Belle, take it away. So let's start with what this movie is all about. So When Harry Met Sally is a 1989 American rom-com. Um, it was written by Nora Ephron and directed by Rob Reiner. Um, it stars Billy Crystal as Harry and Megan Ryan as Sally. And um, it's basically Harry and Sally meet when she gives him a ride. It's a cross-country drive um, that takes them from Chicago all the way to New York. Um, after they, they both graduate from the University of Chicago. The story follows them through 12 years of chance encounters in New York City, and it jumps through their lives as they both search for love, um, but fail bumping into each other time and time again. Finally, a close relationship blooms between them, and they both like having a friend of the opposite sex. But then they are confronted with a problem can a man and a woman be friends without sex getting in the way? Over to you, Fee. Um, so, yeah, as in, as Belle mentioned, uh, the screenplay mm. was written by uh, one of my favorite um, authors <laughs> and just like heartbreak heroes, um, Nora Ephron. I. Um, if anyone, obviously, her most beloved novel was um, Heartburn, um, and it's also was also made into a movie, and it basically kind of was semi autobiographical uh, about her kind of um, divorce and her husband's affair. And it was just really, it's just a really good heartbreak 
book if you need to cry just go and get that book and it will make you cry i promise every time you read it um or you can watch her movies uh because she's also an established um screenwriter so um she's uh also you know um written movies like sleepless in seattle which also has meg Mm. ryan in it um as well as uh you've got mail which is uh another one of my favorites uh with um Tom Hanks. Wow, I forgot his name. I never thought that would happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and Julian Julia, which I discovered last year. So has have you guys watched Julian Julia? Um, I've yeah. heard of it, but never yes. watched it. So it's about Julia Child's like recipe books, and it's Amy Adams and Meryl Streep, and it goes kind mm-hmm. of. It's it's a, again, it's like a really comforting like movie, and again, this is why mm. I love Nora Ephron's writing because it is just like audio like visual comfort and even written comfort like it's just yeah yeah so warm and so homely and you really get that feeling like i always said that she like really grips you in the heartbreak and those stories i love to read and watch uh which is why again this is one of my favorite um movies um so like kind of just going in about how this movie was conjured basically um in 1984 rob reiner andy schneiman who is i think the producer on this movie and uh nora efron met um over lunch at uh the russian tea room in new york city um as just for like a project meeting um and then uh, i think reiner like pitched a project but efron rejected it because she didn't want to write it apparently Mm. um (laughs) she's very sassy and i love that um Uh, And then they had like a next meeting where basically Rob Reiner kind of went into detail about his divorce and um, was like now kind of talking about his single life and struggling and um, how he finds dating after divorce um, and how he always wanted to do a film um, about two people who become friends and do not have sex uh, because they know it's going to ruin their friendship. Um, But obviously in the movie they have sex anyway. Um, (laughs) Spoiler Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) That's another thing we see, we we say on our podcast is like, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, why are you listening to the episode? (laughs) There's just going to be... Well, it's from the 80s, so... (laughs) You had time. Um, But yeah, so um, Efron liked the idea and then uh, Reiner, I always say Reiner, it's Reiner, acquired um the deal uh from the studio um so kind of like the screenwriting that she modeled was a lot of like based on reiner and his uh personality i would say i think and even like his behavior to some extent um so reiner was constantly depressed and pessimistic yet funny um and efron got some of the dialogues from his interviews um and his friends and especially so Billy Kistrell who is like the main character in this who plays Harry um is well I don't know if they are best friends <laughs> I'm just assuming um they were best friends during the time that Rob Reiner was kind of going through this divorce um and a lot of that is based on the conversations that they had together and like for example the scene where um Sally and Harry like are on this on the telephone and like talking about when they're watching Casablanca um Apparently, that was something that Crystal and Reiner did every night, which is cute. No judgment there. It's very okay. cute. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and yeah, um, Sally was also kind of modeled after a bit like Nora Ephron, um, just in terms of, again, personality traits. Um, she was very like strict, rigid and like 
kind of complicated as well um and yeah and most so this is really interesting and i found that like i i didn't know this before i watched it and did the research for this um this time so um the whole how they met interviews in the beginning uh were actually real stories Mm -hmm. that they got from Mm -hmm. the production um employees um and obviously they had different uh actors uh work like Mm. you know in that place and um uh acting through those uh stories but yeah i think that was really interesting like I mean, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Like, which one would have, which one was your favorite story out of the couples? Oh man, um, you know, honestly, it's probably the one where they lived really close to each other, grew up on the same street, and didn't run into each other oh, until yes. they were like in some random yes. building. And I just love that because it just kind of shows you that you don't even know that the the person next door to you might be your soulmate or the person you're going to marry and you don't know it and you might meet them like in Hawaii or something or you're in some other totally different area. So that's probably my favorite, I would say. I mean, I love all of them, but I think that's my favorite just because it's just so special and sweet and realistic in a way, you know, because you never know. You you don't always see your neighbors. You don't always see people that live on the same block. It was meant to be. I like Mm, that one. That's so true. Exactly. I think mine was the one where he had so many wives that he didn't remember whether he married them or like just slept with them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And the wife's like, I don't know, she's like, no, you married her. Yeah. Her name was Julie. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And you met me at a funeral. I think mine is, I don't know if it's the same couple that you're talking about, Fee, but the one where they were interrupting each other constantly. She was like, he'd like start the yeah, story yeah, and she was the, talking yeah, over yeah. him. Yep. It's, yeah, it was, it was, it was yeah, so yeah, funny. Yeah. Oh my God, it was so mm-hmm. funny. Um, and then the cu- last kind of fact yeah. I have is um, Nora Ephron wrote the screenplay and it's numerous draft over a period of nearly five years, um, mm. which is interesting because I tried to Google whether, like how long this movie was shot over. Because mm. Billy Crystal looks really young in like the first scene. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it was like deliberate or makeup. Um, but like, I don't know. It's like, it's really weird because I sometimes feel that it's probably, it probably took about five years or something in terms of filming because I don't think you, I mean, I don't know. I, I tried to look and research. I couldn't find anything. But what mm. do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I, I thought. In, in the later scenes, I think especially when he has the beard, I was mm. like, he looks mm. really old compared yeah. to like the beginning. Yeah. So yeah, I, that's actually a, yeah, that's a really good point because I thought, how did they do that? Like he looks so young, even in stature, he looks really young in the beginning. Yeah, that's true. So it just yeah, yeah. it just makes you think, yeah, oh, how did that work? But I guess that would make sense. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What um, do you think, Erin? I mean, do you think- um. My guess would be just from having gone to, um, you know, like having gone to film school, been on uh, film sets mm. before. My guess is he probably had the beard first and then they shaved right. the beard off and then he probably right. looked younger. And then they might have shot it with different kind of film or something like that. Because I think sometimes if you, because I mean, nowadays they would just do that. Yeah, CGI. Yeah. The yeah. thing yeah. that they yeah. do. The Irishman. Um, but I think yeah. it just... Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I I mean that's my guess. I don't know, but my guess would be that they did 
the scenes yeah. with his beard first. They shot those first, first, and then they made him shave. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Over to um, you, Let's see. I'm gonna dive into the directing. <laughs> so, um, the movie was directed by, of course, Robert Reiner. And um, he's actually an American actor. And I, I actually know him as an actor and didn't realize he was a filmmaker. And I think I'd seen him in, he, was, he plays the dad in um, The Wolf of Wall Street. He plays um, Leonardo DiCaprio's dad. And I was like, oh! Yeah, he plays it, yeah. Robert Reiner is an American actor. And he's also a comedian and a filmmaker. And um, when it comes to his di- um, his role as a director, he's been nominated multiple times, and um, for Golden Globe Glo- Golden Globe Awards. And as an American, he's been nominated multiple times for Glo- Golden Globe Awards and an American and an Academy Award. <laughs> an American Award. He <laughs> was nominated nineteen times by multiple um, film associations like the Golden Globe, um, the Academy Award and the British Academy Award. And um, out of all of them, they um, they won four awards. And um, he's also a very well-renowned actor. And he actually, um, he had a long-standing role in a sitcom called all in the family um during the during the 70s which yeah which earned him a primetime Emmy yeah, award that's a good so one. yeah that was cool and um throughout the years he's also mm-hmm. made appearances in movies like the first wife's club of course the wolf of wall street um and sleepless in that's seattle <laughs> i can't wait till we do the first wife's club that is one of my favorite all-time movies it's yeah like that little number that they do after they have the party <laughs> and um oh and uh nora efron won a bafta for um original screenplay for the um for when harry mm. met sally and um the movie had a budget yeah. of 16 million it performed really really well because in its first week it made 8.8 million and um all together in total it made 92.8 million dollars so yeah really well wow, that's incredible yeah it did really yeah, really well really, i'm yeah. shocked yeah um no that's yeah i mean i didn't know it was was it 16 or 60 million oh it had a budget of 16 was million zero. one six yeah oh, 16 million dollars no 16 okay. million yeah exactly so yeah they did really well yeah i mean yeah i mean 1989 so obviously i think that you know that's a re- like just breaking records yeah. mm-hmm. especially as a rom-com it's really i assume at the time it was really difficult to um you know kind of make that record and like break it especially i wonder what other movies like were alongside it that was see the thing is yeah. it's funny you say that because billy crystal apparently was really worried that it wouldn't really sell because that's the same it will it came out the same time as batman and indiana mm-hmm. jones so oh, yeah apparently yeah. he was he like he was really concerned that it wouldn't blow up that's but, really yeah, yeah there we go but it's like alternative programming kind of thing you know if you don't yeah. want to go see the yeah. action stuff then you go see this exactly exactly yeah 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 i mean it's kind of like it's kind of like the climate that we have right now like i, I feel like people are now so dissuaded like from releasing a movie when a marvel movie mm-hmm. is in cinemas because you just know for like a consecutive at least two or three yeah. months 
you know that movie won't get picked yeah. up because everyone literally just goes to watch that movie like two or three times even yeah. more like 10 times it's yeah um but yeah that's really interesting yeah. um i'm just gonna go and move on to the music um so i really was surprised when i learned that harry connick jr um kind of uh produced the soundtrack to the movie um harry connick jr i don't know how to like kind of describe but if you don't know him i'd I don't know how to. He's kind of like the. If you don't know Harry Connick Jr., you Google worry. is your friend, people. Go uh, look him up. I'm slightly worried. Google, yeah, exactly, um, exactly. Um, so uh, the story goes that Bobby Columby, who was the drummer for Blood, Sweat, and Tears, a, a very prominent uh, band um, and a friend of director Rob Reiner, um, actually um, insisted that um, Harry Connick Jr. Uh, mm-hmm. does the soundtrack, and this is his debut. Um, like production mm. of soundtrack so this is the kind of the first movie I think he's done um, in terms of soundtrack and it was because he sounded like a young Frank Sinatra that's <laughs> oh. a loaded compliment um, um, but yeah um, um, the movie's soundtrack was released by Columbia Records in July 1989 and consists, consists of standard performed by Connick with a big band and orchestra um, arranged by Mark Scheiman, who's um, another prolific um, jazz bassist, I think it was. Uh, no, sorry, just composer. Sorry, I'm thinking about someone else. But um, I think he's also um, like uh, done... I think he's the one that came up with the um, soundtrack pro- production of hairspray mm-hmm. yeah oh, cool. mm-hmm. the musical like mm-hmm. yeah the initial musical um uh which again is another iconic um piece of uh media mm, yes. um but yeah um so the track listing kind of is it, like in the soundtrack it's predominantly performed by harry Connick jr however obviously as we've seen in the movie a lot of it is um ella fitzgerald frank sinatra um Bing, Bing Crosby. That's it. I was like, wow. Um, it just went in my head. Uh, Billy Crystal is also. I, I think he has sung on a on a on a track called "Call Me," um, and um, it had to be by Frank Sinatra, which is one of my personal faves. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really uh, kind of. Um, I really like the soundtrack because it kind of goes along with the whole seasonal like theme slash message of the movie mm-hmm. um they have the kind of autumn tune um and uh i think it's called autumn in new york uh which yeah which is by vernon duke um but it was also pers- performed by um harry connick jr and then it goes to like winter wonderland um and then uh yeah and then i think i, j- I just love the way it kind of like syncs with the storyline and and the whole kind of storyline of like being in New York and fall, falling in love I think that's like another one of like the points why I love this movie so much um, it is kind of a semi love letter to New York um, mm-hmm. but yeah it, it has you know such kind of um, again we, like, we love to use the word iconic so the have yourself a merry little Christmas by Vin <laughs> Crosby um, uh, Say It Isn't So uh, Stomping at the Savoy um, but not for me the tables have turned I just can go on it's it's just like a Louis oh there's Louis Armstrong as well I just literally just saw it but yeah there's just a whole kind of um uh, discography of you know just jazz and classic music and like I think I do agree with um 
Rob Reiner where, you know, Harry Connick Jr. has that kind of taste and that kind of, um, uh, that kind of, like, kind of vibe and theme that he brings into the music. And I think a part of it does succeed because the music is so perfectly in sync with the storyline and how um, it perfectly kind of, like, plays on the love story. Um, but yeah, any any thoughts, guys? I love Harry Connick Jr. I was a big fan of Harry Connick Jr. when I was like in high school or middle school and kind of in the and just because I liked that music too. I don't listen to it as much mm-hmm. now, but I just loved him. He's actually, yeah. you know, he's actually appeared in quite a few films as an actor as well. Um, I know he was in like Hope yeah. Floats with Sandra Bullock. Oh. Um, like he was the love interest in that one. Mm. Plays a very He's Will and Grace. Yes, Will and Grace. Yeah, because he married Grace. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah he was yeah, the love yeah, interest yeah. for yeah. Grace. He was like the doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he was on that. And then he did a very oh, different role in a movie called Bug, which is not at all a romantic comedy. Yes. I remember. He's like an yes. abusive, like, father or um, husband like or something. Like a boyfriend, abusive like boyfriend, husband. Yeah. Oh, to Ashley yeah. Judd showed it to us when we were really young and i don't think we we needed to be showing that movie when we were really young um okay so moving on to the cast we've got of course billy crystal as harry burns and the leading man we've got meg ryan as sally albright who is the leading lady um kerry fisher as marie who plays um sally's best friend we've got bruno kirby as jess who plays harry's best friend we've got stephen ford as joe uh, Lisa Jane Persky as Alice, Michelle Nicastro uh, as Amanda Reese. We have uh, Kevin Rooney as Ira Stone. We've got Harley Kozak as Helen Hilson. And finally, we've got Estelle Reiner as a female customer. And she's actually the woman in the scene where she's um, Robert Reiner's mom. And she plays the scene where she's like, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> in the restaurant so that was so funny yeah. and apparently it's become like such an iconic line to like this day and that yeah. that restaurant apparently has like mm-hmm. a thing about it so that was really cool yeah i think she's known for that uh for that line and apparently when she passed away they engraved mm-hmm. it somewhere i think so oh really like, in memory of her which is really, oh that's so really cool um, that's so cool uh-huh. but yeah um I'm trying to think if I yeah so I'm gonna now move on to the facts about the movie mm. as this is a very iconic movie there's a lot of facts so just stay with me for a little <laughs> bit I promise I'll get through it really quickly um so um yeah so talking about the I'll have what she's having line according to writer Nora Ephron the infamous line was suggested by Billy Crystal um which I totally see I mean he's like a a comedian yeah um so um uh um the orgasm scene was um filmed at cat's deli an actual restaurant um on new york east new york's east houston street um and the table at which the scene was filmed now has an actual plaque on it which reads when harry met sally hope you have what she had which is really cute (laughs) so cool um I've been to that deli and they do make one of the best sandwiches ever. So Aww. if you're ever in New York, please go there. It's like they they do a really good matzo ball soup and like good like the beef sandwiches, which yeah. are really good. Um, 
the scene where we uh, see all four lead characters talking to each other um, on uh, various telephones was actually shot on one stage and apparently took 60s takes to nail and get right. Um, Crazy. To the point where, like, they basically synced their, like, putting down the phone. (laughs) So it just kind of goes in, like, a little, like, um, tune if you look carefully. Um... Uh, in a 2004 interview with NPR, writer Nora Ephron also credited um, Meg Ryan um, with the idea of coming up with faking orgasm in the scene. Um, uh, and apparently, so it also goes on to say that Rob Reiner like, acted it out before she did it in front of like his mother and stuff. And it was like <laughs> highly awkward, <laughs> um, like as it would be um, understandable, totally understandable. Um, uh as I mentioned before, so the concept of Sally being a picky eater was based on the film's screenwriter, Nora Ephron. And then years after the movie came out, when Ephron was on a plane and ordered something very precise, the stewardess looked at her and asked her, have you seen the movie When Harry Met Sally? To <laughs> <laughs> um, so which she replied, I wrote it. <laughs> yeah, Imagine. exactly. Um, apparently was so close and close to her, her personality that like she also said the line I just want it the way I want it uh, which again was put into the movie um, as we mentioned uh, the film is based on director Rob Reiner's experiences post divorce and as a single man um, coincidentally Reiner met his current wife during the making of his film which is very cute yeah um, nice. We could have seen a different Harry, um, and I'm kind of disturbed when I looked at the list because I don't think anyone would have made a better Harry. Um, so Tom Hanks turned down the role of Harry um, <laughs> as he thought the film was too lightweight. Oh, I don't know okay. if I agree or disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he would have done um, done it justice. I think it yeah. would have been then close, too close to like. He's in another Nora Ephron movie, so it's like... Yeah, with Meg Ryan again, And you've got male, yeah. It's it's like we're kind of tired or something like that. Um, We're never tired of Tom Hanks, don't worry. No, no. Um, uh, Michael Keaton was also considered. Hmm. That's slightly, I don't know, it's kind of an unnerving... I don't know how I would see him as Harry. Know if you guys that would be interesting. Well, and then he would have ended up being against himself at the box office since he exactly. was Batman. Exactly. Oh time, gosh, so. yes, of course, yeah. <laughs> that would have been interesting. Harry. I'm not going to no. lie. That's no. quite, that's scary. I think um, he's a bit too serious for a rom com. You'll be surprised. But he did I've a lot of comedies, him. though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I saw a really bad comedy but, he was in recently and it was with Alexis Bledel. I don't know if anyone's seen it. It's called The Graduate or something. And I, I was like, it. why is Michael Keaton in this movie? <laughs> like, he's got be- better <laughs> prospects. Um, it was just, it was a really bad movie. Um, but yeah, anyways. Uh, Bill Murray, um, Jeff Bridges and Harrison Ford were also considered to play Harry um, before Crystal Chris- uh, was finalised. Um, again, an, an, an interesting... Like I think the closest person I would probably just say is Bill Murray. I I could see him yeah, as Harry I agree. In, a, in a really weird way. Um, 
Uh, Molly Ringwald was uh, offered the role of Sally Albright, but was forced um, to decline because of a busy schedule. But then she later went on mm. to play the actual role when this movie went on to theatre um, in the West End. Oh. Which is a okay. cute full circle. Um, mm. And it was with her and Luke, per- Luke Perry and Alison Hannigan. Um, and oh. I think, so she replaced Alison Hannigan after a while. Uh-huh. Um Albert Brooks also turned down the role of um, Harry Burns. Um, so before kind of deciding on the title, so there, w- there would have been other titles um, than When Harry Met Sally. Screenwriter Nora Ephron, um, uh, Nora Ephron producer um, Andrew Scheinman and Rob Reiner considered Just Friends, which would have been um, confusing because there's another movie. Yeah, like that. that's Ryan um, Reynolds, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. plain melancholy baby. Okay, which I I don't understand. <laughs> um, uh, boy meets girl again, very um, confusing. Uh, blue moon, um, mm. words of love. I mean, mm. it, yeah, it had to be you. That's cute. I think because of the song, I I would yeah. like uh, Harry. This is Sally, and how they met. Um. I think I'd go for how they met. That's a better because it is about them meeting yeah. and like falling in love. So, um, yeah. Uh, Rob Reiner, uh, Nora Ephron, and producer Andy Scheiman chose beautiful locations to highlight the character's lack of insight. Harry and Sally are as blind to romance as they are to the love growing between them. The same logic was used for Harry's apartment, uh, where the windows overlook the Empire State Building, um, which could be, it's very, this is very poetic, but which could be um, either the loveliest or loneliest view in the world. So that's actually quite interesting. Okay. Um, uh, it, so this movie um, was also ranked number six on AFI's um, list of 10 greatest films in the romantic comedy. And it's also in a list where it's like 1,001 movies you need to watch before you die, apparently. Um, uh, so, yeah. Um, when posed the film's central question, can, ma- can men and women just be friends? Meg Ryan uh, replied, yes, men and women can be friends. I have a lot of p- uh, platonic male friends and sex doesn't get in the way. However, <laughs> Billy Crystal said, I'm a little more optimistic than Harry, but I think it is difficult. Men basically act like stray dogs in front of a supermarket. I do have platonic <laughs> women friends, but not best, best, best friends. Oh, um, wow. No, it's, that's interesting. <laughs> that was really one of my feel. questions um, for Erin for the episode. That was one of mm-hmm. my questions. So, yeah. Do, like, do you think men and women can just be friends in a platonic, platonic way? Totally. Yeah. Totally. I've had a lot of male friends in my life. Yeah. That used to be when I was younger. Most of my friends, it was predominantly male. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I definitely think it can. I mean, I think it's very, very possible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the movie think places think... too much emphasis on that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I I mean I I try not to think about the fact that it was because it because it might have been in 1989 and it was kind of a slightly more like I don't know there were, it was kind of very like black and white I guess um, in terms of relationship rules and how we've now um, you know how we have so much more like terminology for what a relationship is now mm. I think. Uh, it makes mm-hmm. sense to me um, to have like male friends and like 
nothing be awkward if there's right. no chemistry i don't think it, there's, yeah. there's any yeah i don't think there's any fault and as long as you just are like genuinely like just care about the person i don't think yeah i i, I guess again this is, comes from a very like you we think of this as kind of a dated rule i mean i'm sure people you know when when this came out at the time majority you know did disagree and um had examples to prove it of course um but yeah i think yeah i, I would agree with like everyone i mm. just yeah like platonic friendships do exist and are very mm-hmm. successful and will not wouldn't end up in this situation like how they've addressed <laughs> it i think um uh so um Kind of in dis- disagreement to the the title, um, Nora Ephron was pleased with how the movie turned out, but if she could change one thing, it would have been the title, um, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, Joe is played by Stephen Ford. I didn't know this, but the son of 38th US President Gerald Ford. Oh. Which is interesting. I didn't know that either. Um, uh, prior to the wedding, uh, Marie tells uh, Sally that Harry was seeing an anthropologist. Sally asks her what she looks like, and M- Marie responds with "thin, pretty, big tits, your basic nightmare," which was also <laughs> a line <laughs> that appears in Nora Ephron's book *Heartburn*. Oh, um, that's funny. <laughs> Uh, Harry and Sally's final interview at the end of the film was completely improvised um, and during the final interview when they said that they get married she isn't actually wearing a a wedding ring which is um, another kind of goof Um, yeah because she's kind of sitting like that so she's hiding Mm. the kind of finger Um, but yeah um, and this is kind of a sad one but Carrie, uh, Carrie Fisher would reunite with Meg Ryan in The Women I'm not sure if you've seen that um, it's, mm-hmm. it's a 2008 movie and it's about uh, kind of I think women in their 40s 50s um, she gets a divorce Meg Ryan's character and like they find out like her husband's and it's a whole thing it's, it's really good it's like um, I don't know what it's a step better than Monster in Law which we did in our <laughs> last episode <laughs> um, oh, it's kind of that kind of feel mm-hmm. um and the last fact that I'd like to end on, which is kind of a little tragic, um, it's the three of the principals from the film died relatively young, especially co-star Bruno Kirby at the age of 57, Nora Ephron, who was only 71, 71 when she succumbed to cancer, and most prominently Car- uh, Carrie Fisher when she died at 60 in 2016. Mm. Sorry to bring down the parade. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's the facts over. Um <laughs> So do you want to go into critics or should we do the questions first, Belle? I think we can go into critics um, because I feel like it's a bit more optimistic. Yeah, <laughs> after sure. that. Let's, let's do that. Let's liven it up a little bit. <laughs> so um, like I mentioned before, um, the movie performed really, really well. Um, it actually received a 91% rating from Rotten Tomatoes and we've, we are, the critics are always so horrible, so mean. So I think, yeah, they, critics, no, it's true. No. <laughs> so, and um, they gave it an average of um, a, an average rating of eight out of ten. And um, one of the um, the the su- the summary of um, um, what was so good about it was that Rob Reiner's touching funny film set a new standard for romantic comedies. And he was ably abetted by the sharp interplay 
excuse me, between Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. And on Metacritic, it received a score of 76% out of 100. And um, the audiences gave it an A+. A plus. So, yeah, did very well. We've never had that on this podcast. No, oh, really? Never, ever. <laughs> yeah. Ever. It's always either, like, the critics are 110% against us or, like, we're... Yeah. Yeah, or like where I think the movie's done really bad, or like we just don't agree with the critics. So it's really yeah. up in the air, yeah. <laughs> and um, so um, one of the critics called um, one of the critics um said about Reiner that he's one of Hollywood's very best directors of comedy, and said that the film was most conventional in terms of structure and the way that it fulfills our expectations, which um I thought was true. Yeah, um, and he said, but what makes it special, apart from the Efren screenplay, is the chemistry between Crystal and Ryan. And that's actually one of my questions, another one of my <laughs> questions um, for Erin. How did you find the chemistry between the two characters? Do you think it worked? Do you think um, it was awkward or how, how mm. did you feel about it? I don't think I would love it as much as I do if they didn't have good chemistry. Mm. I mean, I just don't think a romantic mm. comedy works if they don't have good chemistry. I think the only two actors that have better chemistry are Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. And that's only just mm. by a tad. But I, yeah. yeah, I mean, they have amazing chemistry. They really have a good back and forth. And yeah, yeah, I think it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Do you think in a, in a modern day recast, do you think... Who who would you choose to play them? Oh, this is a loaded <laughs> question. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I put you on the spot. I'm trying to think of like younger. This is another thing that we to... always do because like we sometimes blame the chemistry. So like a good yeah. half an hour goes into recasting the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I'm just trying to think. Um, oh, you know, actually, and this is because this is an actor that on my podcast, I mention him all the time. He's a young actor, mm-hmm. Kelvin Harrison Jr., who I just want to see him do some lighter stuff. He does a lot of heavy stuff. Um, he's given two of, I think, two of the best performances of the last decade in movies, mm-hmm. Waves and Loose. I think he's incredible. Um, but he did this movie with um, Dakota Johnson and and it was called um, with um, Tracy Ellis Ross also. And it was, I can't remember the name of it all of a sudden, but they have really good chemistry. So actually I could see them doing this because they kind of have a back and forth thing going on in that movie too. And I wish I could remember the movie all of a sudden I've forgotten it. I can't believe I forgot the name of that movie, but. Isn't it they try and like set her up or something or it's something to do like she's the boss? No, 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 no. I know. I know. No, when you're thinking. No, no. This one is Dakota Johnson is trying to be a record producer and Tracy Ellis Ross plays like this. She's supposed to be almost like a new. Yeah. 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 She's supposed to be almost like her mom in a way. Tracy Ellis Ross is almost playing like a character kind of similar to her mom, Diana Ross. So it's kind of like that kind of thing. Um, and so she, Dakota Johnson is trying to become an up and coming music producer. And then she meets Kelvin Harrison Jr.'s character, who's a musician as well. And mm-hmm. yeah, and I can't believe I can't remember the name of that movie. <laughs> oh, The High Note. The High Note. That's the name. Of the movie. Uh, yes, 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 okay. yes, yes. I remember yeah. the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm interested what you would say, what both of you would say. 
Oh. oh my god. I can't think of actors. I feel right like now. I put Aaron on the spot now. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, I had to turn what around. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio for you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, you know, actually, do you know what? Who I really want, like, I, I want some of these movies um to come into and like who is a really good actress and i just wish she could she would get more like opportunities like this is lana condor and she is like Mm -hmm. the the one in um to all the boys um who i loved before and she just Mm. didn't receive that big break after that movie and i wish like i feel like in a remaking of this i think she would be perfect um as uh as a sally i think um and yeah i i wish like she would get a script like this just because i feel like she again needs that like I mean, she has had a breakthrough, but I, I, yeah, I think I would see her in this role, and I think she'd really utilize it very well. Um, I would say, yeah. So I think one of the one of the stars I probably would say Lana Condor. That's an um, interesting good sure choice about the man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's one person I can think of in terms of the male lead, and that's Ryan Reynolds. I don't know. Who yeah. Guys <laughs> that's a really. Yeah. But I feel yeah, like he's so sure. dynamic. Mm-hmm. He can re- he can do comedy and he has that banter. Yeah. I feel like he yes. could really yeah um he he do really well in that role. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah, but for um, a female lead, I can't think of anyone. I can't think of actors. Anna Kendrick. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if she'd. You could. I can see her. Well you it. could see her. Yeah. Hmm. I definitely couldn't see Ryan Reynolds and uh, Lana in the same no, no that I would be like weird would be really inappropriate yeah that would feel a little bit in the age gap yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be a little weird <laughs> um this is really weird how i can't i think of like actors this is really okay i just um just proceed to think of every movie you've ever watched <laughs> Do you know actually this? No, there is one actor that I really like, and I don't know if anyone's seen this movie. I rave about this movie because it's like my new. It's not new. It's, it was in 2019, but I really like this movie. It's called Ibiza. Um, it was on Netflix, um, and it's with Richard Madden and um, Gillian Anderson, oh. and I think their pairing is phenomenal. <laughs> and I would have loved to see. I would love to see them in like a Harry Met Sally or like. I think their chemistry mm. is like bang on. So I would have loved to see them in another project. Um, because yeah, they made a really good couple. So I'd actually say, yeah, I'd say them too. I love Richard Madden, Game of Thrones. <laughs> I haven't seen Game of Thrones. I haven't either. Madden. I haven't either. So I'm with you there. Oh, I've skillfully well, avoided. Okay. I'm outnumbered. It's fine. It's fine. Um, so um, well, you haven't seen Gilmore Girls, so uh, yeah, or The I, Office. I have. I haven't seen Gilmore Girls either. So, but I have seen okay. The Office like yes. too many times to count. So. Yeah, we like we so we, again like what we do is just like do recommendations because like I basically I watch Grey's Anatomy but I like just stopped after season six, and that's like a beloved like TV show for Belle. Um, yeah. She also wants me to watch How to Get Away with Murder, but because of the pandemic, I'm just not in the state to watch <laughs> something so like sad. So that's why I, I I rely on comfort like. Gilmore Girls, The Office, mm. Arrested Development, like lighthearted Parks shows. and Rec. Mm. Oh, I love Parks and Rec. I think I like Parks and Rec more than The Office, actually. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, speaking um, of casting yeah. Jenna Fisher and John Krasinski in When Harry Met Sally. <gasps> oh. Because yes. they already had the chemistry. Yes. A little Pam and, yeah. <laughs> oh. 
Pam and Jim action. Yeah. <laughs> do you feel left out? Oh, you I do it. feel left out. I do feel left out. I'm like, I have to Google these people now. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like season up until season six, I want to say it's good. And then season seven and eight, I think for some reason, I don't know why. I think it's after because Steve Carell leaves. It just. Well, and he leaves towards the end of season seven. And then it's like, it really goes. Season oh, eight yeah. is like the worst season for sure. But I mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it also loses touch when, like, a bit, like, when Jim and Pam get married. I don't know what that says, but, like, um, <laughs> when they have a kid and stuff, and it's yeah. just like, oh, sorry, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, mm. I, I'm just going to move on to my two questions. They're very short, but they're a little quirky. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Erin and Belle, would you ever dine? Oh, if it was going to be a long, long meal, because I think we'd be there a long time. If I had to get somewhere and had a deadline, then no. But <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. Before her order comes, just like okay, no, no, I've had enough. <laughs> Bye. I mean, I don't know. Like she, I think it's because one of my pet peeves is mm-hmm. when people act like people Same. are rude to you know like waiters yeah. and stuff, and she sometimes mm. crosses that line. So I don't know if I'd want to dine with someone mm-hmm. like that because she could easily snap like that to you. So I don't, I mean, she's not a very good, um, like, restaurant companion. Um, um, <laughs> she could be like I, a I Karen. Would not die that is my final answer. She could be a, she, she gives me those vibes actually. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, and true. the last question um, is Marie's actually <laughs> beautiful. Because <laughs> she cries and she's like, "Oh my god!" It's... I honestly was expecting her to be like, "Oh my god, it's horrible!" And like, then she would help her find a good. I thought like, she was going to say that. I genuinely yeah. thought it's she... weird. I just watched it last night, and I honestly don't even remember what yeah. it looks like. So I guess that's the answer that it's horrible if I can't remember. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was so so it's unmemorable. Like a weird like corset, yeah. and then there's like balloon That's sleeves, true, yeah. but it's half balloon sleeves, and then it's like it's really like it's obviously the top half is tight, but then it goes onto like a flowy like detail. I think I like the embroidery in the back, but like the top bit is just I would yeah, not no. want her to go and get my very eighties, I guess. Very yeah, yeah very eighties, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, those are those are literally my two questions. So, Erin, if we want to move into your questions, that'd be... Uh, well, and I have a question that is food-related as well. So, do you have any weird food eating or ordering habits? Oh. Um, so, I have one that I never knew, but, like, one of my friends pointed it out to me. Um, so, everything... Like, if I see something on the menu, somehow I always, like, make an addition or, like subtract something from it so i'll always be like okay this i don't want with like and i'll always do that but i've never ever picked up on it until somebody called me out and now i'm very conscious (laughs) of not doing that (laughs) Um, i'm trying to think that would be mine Um, i think i'm trying to think i mean i know people that don't like their food to touch (laughs) so like they yeah but i don't think i have any like when eggs are soggy and like they touch yeah no yeah 
Christmas no, dinner? I don't have any. I mean, except for not wanting pineapples on my pizza. <laughs> that's... that's not weird, though. That's normal. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's true. We're sorry if you're on the other side of this debate. We don't care. Um, oh, do you uh, do you uh, have a like a weird habit? I guess. Uh, well, I sometimes like if if I have anything, if I have French fries or be chips, right? For over there, right? Chips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, French fries. <laughs> if I have if I have French fries and like a hamburger or French fries and whatever I'm eating, I always have to eat the French fries first, usually. So it's just weird oh, to me that I don't. Yeah. And I think it's because oh. they get cold faster. That's why. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's that's probably the only one that I can really think of. I don't think I have very many weird ones, except for I love hot stuff, so I'm always putting hot sauce on like practically mm. everything I eat. Like, yeah. So oh, well, that's like, yeah, that's like me. I put like a red hot sauce on everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love hot yeah. sauce. Brilliant. Yeah. 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 I know people that um, dunk their um, chips into their milkshakes. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and I don't. I've get heard that. that I... Yes. The thing is, how did you even discover that was good? How did you discover it in the first place? I know. That's I always wonder that, too. I always wonder that, too. <laughs> but a lot of people oh, do, like, um, French fries in the um, ice cream, which is, again, I don't know mm. what. It's really weird. It really, know. like, when people come up with these kind of nuances, yeah. it really freaks me out. Yeah. Oh, but something um, I just um, something did just occur to me, Erin. Do you think that the relationship, the outcome of their relationship, is realistic? Uh, I, I want to say yes, just because I want them to be together. But I actually was thinking that last night when I was watching. I'm like, I bet they got divorced. I mean, I hate mm. saying it, but I do think they got divorced. <laughs> I just, I think they would have been fighting yeah. constantly. I think they had oh, kids, sure. but then I think they divorced probably like. I'd say a year or two after their yeah their kids were born yeah yeah sadly I don't I don't yeah. think they could yeah. sustain the relationship which I yeah, hate saying because I love them together yeah. but I just don't think it would last yeah yeah <laughs> um well I had and this is just because this is totally me to ask this but you know Harry yeah. has this thing where he reads the end of the book because if he, in case he dies and always has like a dark side. So do you have any dark side type things you do or any like uh, things you do Ooh, because really I don't know, point. you're superstitious Ooh. or anything like that? I definitely don't read the end of the book. Um. I can't. It kills me. Yeah. No. Yeah, no, no, I couldn't do that. I couldn't. I wouldn't just, I would, I just wouldn't read the book if that's the case. Um. Yeah. I mean, um, for me, I would say, so there's, there's a show called um, Crime Watch. I'm so, I feel like Fee's like, she loves all these shows, like how to get away with murder. Hey, I love horror, so. (laughs) I'm not saying anything. It's just kind of Just to give Erin like a a rundown of what Crime Watch is. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Crime Watch is basically like, um, it's. Okay. It's mm-hmm. a show where you've got someone, um, there's the presenter and he's talking about real life stories of um, um, things that mm-hmm. have happened, like crimes and things like that, that have happened across the country. And I once had, when I was younger, I once had someone come on, um, I was coming from school and we had someone come on the bus and he threat. he was like threatening us and we were so young. 
and he like threatened people on the bus. So since then, I always and I and I think I got home and crime watch was on. <laughs> so since then, I'm like responsible. I, I like single handedly made it my responsibility mm-hmm. to like before I go to bed, I have to. I think I checked the doors locked about three times. I checked that the windows are locked. I checked oh, that the bathroom yeah. windows are locked. The, um, because I thought yeah. these men would follow me. <laughs> so that's really yeah. dark. Oh but yeah, literally, I, w- I think about three times every night. I make sure ev- all the windows in the house are shut. All the doors are locked completely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> my, my sister used to do that because... I mean, there's a reason that there was when in our childhood home behind it, our house burnt mm. down. So like after that, she was like really scarred. Mm-hmm. So she, it's really bad. But like for, I, even now, I think she's very neurotic about it. So she'll check like the yeah. three times, and it has to be like three times. She'll check the door three times. She'll check like all the windows three times, and like it was like a whole ritual yeah. when you were younger, and it take her an hour. And like we, I used to share like the room with her, so I'd have to wait until she comes so she could switch off the light. I was like, here we go. Um, so yeah, um, I just thought of another one. But when I was younger, I used to oh watch my Charmed goodness, a lot, yes, and, like, loved it. This is one I used to do when I was little. And so remember, Piper was the youngest, and she could freeze. <laughs> so like when I like used to do the dishes, That's and it was like, slightly risky, and it would try and kill. I just do this. It's not gonna fall. Um, so that was like a young yeah. thing that I did. Um, sorry, do we do we get to you? Do we? Um... um. Well, I have. Well, this isn't really. But I have weird fears because I watched horror. I've watched horror movies since I was like five or six years old. So way too young, I know. But um, so I have weird fears. Like I cannot. If there's a white house in the middle of a field and there's nothing around it, that terrifies me. Oh. It just absolutely yeah. terrifies oh me. And I think it's because that of that. terrifies me, actually. <laughs> it isn't scary. Um, I'm it actually is, afraid yeah. of hammers. Like, I'll use one, but they scare me because... Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know. I just think you're going to lose control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It's silly. Yeah, so weird fears yeah. like that. Um, I do have this thing, like, if you're going to... This is a lot milder, but if you're going to a concert... I won't listen to the artist that I'm going to see because I think if you listen to him, it'll make the concert horrible or something, or it'll curse you. Yes, I do that as well. Like oh, really? I don't listen to it on the day because yeah. I know mm-hmm. it's going to be horrible. Yeah, yep. and nothing will live up to it. Uh, and I don't listen to it like the day, like the days after that as well, because I'm just like so fresh. Oh, see, I'll listen yeah. to it after, but not before. I just will not before. That's- yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. I think yeah. everyone's got like a thing, haven't they? Yes, I think yeah. they do. Yeah, mm-hmm. everybody has those little things they do. I mean, I guess like this would be the perfect segue um, to yeah, you know, the female relationships in the movie and how like women are portrayed. Um, so, I mean, what like I think obviously she's kind of the model of like the late eighties woman and like. Um, there isn't any kind of um, assumption or prejudice kind of linked to her I think in terms of like a lot of a lot of the movies I think we saw in the 2000s were you know um, uh, a woman in her 20s like being anxious to get married and and have this like perfect life and like in this movie Mm. you don't see that like I mean you see that in like a one scene or a bit but like um, she's fairly relaxed where like 
I feel like Billy Crystal's character, I mean, Harry is yeah. more kind of yeah. anxious and like, just what, like kind of more um, nervous about his life. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, like how would, how would you kind of um, signify her character basically? Um, I think she's that, that iconic kind of independent woman who doesn't need a man, quote unquote, but at the yeah. same time, she's really just looking for love and looking for security and she's that woman who doesn't who just wants to have her own career she wants to be successful i mean she's a writer a journalist and so she just wants to have that and she doesn't want to have to be tied down but yet she really wants that at the same time um Mm -hmm. i will say one thing i really appreciate about this is her relationship with Mm. marie i think is very healthy relationship because even though they both are set, they both set each other. I mean, well, Harry and Sally set each other up with Marie and why am I forgetting his name? Uh, Bruno Kirby's character. Um, I, is it Jess? Yes. Yes, Jess it is. Marie. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, and even though they set each other up and they end up together, there's never any like jealousy, weird competition there. They never have that going on. And I think too often, you know, we like to, people like to see women pitted against each other. And you don't see that in this. Uh, And I know that Sally, she says a lot in there that once women, you know, they get married and they have kids that they kind of drift apart. And I think that can be true sometimes. I think it can be when women get in a relationship and men can do this too. They can become so consumed by the relationship that all the other relationships fade. But that's why I like the Marie relationship, because it doesn't seem like that happens. And she also seems to have a healthy relationship with Jess, too. Um, You know, so there's never any jealousy between you don't see a lot of jealousy between women in this movie, which is a nice thing to see. And I don't know if that's just because a woman wrote it, because I'm trying to think if any Nora Ephron movie has that in it. But it could be because a woman wrote it. I don't know. But it's nice not to have that jealousy and competition. I think you're bang on. Like, I yeah, that's one of the things I wanted to comment on as well. Like, especially 90s movies and late 80s movies, a lot of it is focused on this competitive nature between women and, mm-hmm. like, getting the man and, like, securing the man and, like, fighting with each other. And this is just, like, no, hang on. Like, there can be a woman that just supports other women, helps other women out, and mm-hmm. is an independent woman, and, like, we should respect that. And I do think a large part of it does come from, from the fact that... Um, a woman has written the story because um yeah. i mean we've definitely seen it when we've been doing some of the movies where like i mean i'll take this example from last week we it was a monster and i'm not sure if you've watched it um mm-hmm. but it's like it was in 2005 <laughs> and you would expect for it to be a little more evolved um however no it's just about women fighting and competing and it was from a man's perspective because a, a man mm-hmm. has never had that relationship with another woman, you know, in terms of like a mother-in-law, a friend, or this is not how women act. Um, but yeah, I think I think what you said is like just bang on. It's that, that like representation and I guess welcoming of the modern woman in the 90s, 2000. And she is such, I guess, um, a figure for the rom-com heroines that we, we have later mm-hmm. on. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I feel like Meg Ryan, I think in these movies, like, she is the perfect actress because she molds herself and doesn't kind of like lose that modern essence of herself in each movie that she's done with with Nora Ephron's um uh, writing yeah but yeah um mm-hmm. Belle 
completely agree with um, both of you. I think it's um, they've got some really um, healthy female relationships, um, as opposed to a lot of movies, especially when it comes to a man. There tends to be this um, a lot of tension, mm-hmm. which um, a couple of scenes actually reminded mm-hmm. me, and um, I actually thought about this and thought, would it pass the Bechdel test? And um, if anyone isn't familiar with it, um, it's a theory that yeah. was developed by Alison Bechdel, and um, it looks at the representation of women in fiction, and basically asks the question of whether whether um, any piece of work can feature at least two women who talk to each other about something other than a man. And, I mean, do you guys think this would pass the test? Can I just say... I was shaking her head from side to side, so that's a no. (laughs) No, I don't... Actually, no. Even though I love Mm -hmm. their relationship, every time they're talking, they're they're talking talking about about men. Every single time. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. she's got a little, like, directory book when, like, just at lunch. (laughs) It's just, like, like, not even an updated, like, directory book. (laughs) um married and then she turns oh, never mind the corner the <laughs> but there's a scene that really um, um yeah. it was um really striking for me it's a scene where um sally's just broken up with her boyfriend and she's with her friends um at the the mm-hmm. having lunch or something and her friend says something like yeah they're talking about men and she says something like oh at least you can say um, if you get married to whoever, then you can say at least you got married. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a very good. Yeah. 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 I mean, really, do we actually <laughs> yeah. want to cross that bridge? <laughs> but yeah. Um, no, I, I totally agree. Um, speaking of the lovely men, then, um, how are the men, I guess, in this and in this film and how... I mean, how, I guess, like, well portrayed are they? You know, I love Harry, but Harry's kind of toxic in some ways, really. Honestly, if you're Mm. really going to dive into it. I mean, he's very, he belittles Sally a lot. Um, He's very much, he's very selfish, very self-absorbed. Yeah, he doesn't, I think he, that's why I don't think they last. Because he's, he's very toxic. I think he probably secretly fantasizes about marrying a woman that will stay home to all the cooking and cleaning, take care of him mm. and put her needs last. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I love them together and love the movie, but yeah, I think he's kind of toxic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I, I completely agree with you. I, I mean, yes, I think he's like the perfect kind of component to like a personality like Sally and you need that balance. Mm-hmm. But I think we i think it is again a whole thing of we ignore the fact that he is toxic because Mm -hmm. he's funny yeah and so does Mm -hmm. sally and um and also he's like broken up from a marriage and like i mean i don't think it's he doesn't think he has enough time in terms of like getting over i don't think he has gotten over it that's why there's this kind of need of like finding to like like fixing the hole and like putting a bandage over like a heartbreak Mm -hmm. which um yeah yeah which just doesn't seem right to me and um i like when i was watching it for the podcast i like part of me was like he's probably just marrying her because it's like this is a kind of a convenient thing for Mm. him and like a kind of he's going through the struggle of dating women after his divorce and like here is a woman who 
80% checks his list. Um, and he he just has that kind of comfortability with her. And so I think he associates that with love in, in some aspects and therefore is like, okay, I want to marry mm-hmm. you. And like, um, it takes him 12 years to kind of, first of all, <laughs> to kind of it's take that step. That's also like, I think what we should point out. Um <laughs> And yeah, so I I do think, yeah, so I think we do overlook the kind of um, toxic side of him because Mm -hmm. he's funny and and we think he's going to make, he's just going to make her life better. Like, like what they said in the movie, like, oh, at least you're going to get married Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Belle, I mean, if you have any other thoughts. Yeah, no, I mean, on, so one thing I I will say is I think he is one of the characters where we see um, a lot of, he's quite a dynamic character in terms of. Um, he's got different mm-hmm. sides to him. We see the vulnerability. We see like the comedic. So even though it's dark comedy, <laughs> and we see like the sarcasm yeah. and everything. But yeah, I just think as a whole, I'll have to agree with um, both of you that I he's. I think he definitely needs to do a lot of healing first mm-hmm. before he yeah. jumps into a relationship. And I think it's it rings very true when we see that scene with um helen was that his wife's name helen yes mm-hmm. helen, yeah yeah. It's really... yeah when he sees helen and it's he he we can you can tell that it's almost like it's all come rushing back which i think is normal in an everyday scenario but he then kind of regresses all the way back to like being really depressed mm-hmm. and feeling really down and i just think um sally's almost just like a comfort blanket and mm-hmm. she and because she puts up with him, he he just kind of lets her be mm-hmm. around, and I don't think that's yeah. fair. If that's fair to her or him, because he needs to. Heal. Well, and she even says so, it. Yeah. She says, "You know, I'm not your consolation prize," mm. and that's exactly right. the way he treats yeah. her. Exactly. A lot of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah, and I think that's such an important point that you brought up is like when she when he sees her ex again, that's it. That's like mm-hmm. a, a thing, and then he'll just go and snap at her. Like, but what happens when they're married and he sees yeah. like her like his ex again? Like, right. Is that okay now that you're married? Like you're allowed to speak to her that way? Um, yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. Um, I mean, what like what do you guys think about kind of Jess's character in terms of like? the the kind of supporting best friend or like um yeah the kind of like the that kind of character in terms of being there for harry and um his own individual character and his individual relationship i guess with with marie i think he's the better man of the two of them honestly i think he's more secure in who Mm -hmm. he is um i think he's just i think i think he's just a more down-to-earth regular guy i don't think he's toxic I think he kind of sees through Harry and he sees a little bit of that, you know, mm. he's kind of rolls his eyes, I think, a lot of the yeah. time. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think he's the good guy as far as like of the two. I think he would be the better match. He would be the one that you'd want to marry over the other one. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I think I agree um, with you there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Sorry, I agree on, as well. Yeah. No, I think Jess... I, I would have liked to see a lot more of him, to mm-hmm. be honest, because I feel like there are so many moments that um, they could, um, the um, script and the director, um, directed, direction could have taken advantage of with scenes between Jess and um, Harry. And mm-hmm, yeah, just mm-hmm. like um, Aaron said, I think he, um, he is the better of um, the two. Yeah. Yeah. 
he's oh i think he's also because he he has a more objective mm-hmm. like view because he knows both of them and he's not going to support harry being stupid because mm. he knows where sally comes in as well yeah. and has that opinion with him um and i think that is an important kind of character to have in terms of like a friend and someone who's supporting this person through a crisis like he he will know both sides of the story yeah um which yeah i think bruno Kirby did a very good job portraying mm-hmm. that um that yeah. character would have um, been interesting to see more scenes of just sally and jess together because then you could maybe see like oh, a male yes. female friendship that isn't yes, sexual true. so i just think it would have been interesting to yeah. see a couple scenes with just them and that would no have been the around. whole answer to what the yeah, movie that's true. wanted to yeah that's so true yeah. um mm-hmm. i i think honestly i don't know if you guys agree but i i think they should have stuck with i understand why they did this but i think they should have stuck with their original plan of uh sally and uh, harry and sally not ending up together and just going off as friends um I understand they did this because obviously the audience would have been hugely disappointed for this love story not to end as a love story. (laughs) And I obviously (laughs) like them as a couple. Um, But yeah, like, like, what are your thoughts? I mean, like, would you have wanted them to just stay friends or like continue in this love story? As much as I think their relationship didn't last, I would have been very bummed if they didn't end up together at the end. I would have been like, what was the point? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I want a refund for that <laughs> movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think they should have just stayed friends. Um, as as a an audience, like someone in the audience, I like that they ended up together. But I, if in reality, in the real world, I just like if I was Sally's friend and or if I was Harry's friend, I'd be like, no, no, part oh, ways. Yeah. Yeah, like just be friends and that's it. This hold the door open. Exactly. This, I don't that's think a very good a point. Just leave it alone. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, which I guess like leads us to kind of the last yeah. uh, point of the podcast is the rating. Um, so what would you rate this out of five? Um, and a reasoning behind it, if you'd like. Um, so Erin, as you are our special guest um if you want to go first um well yeah uh well i'm tempted to say five out of five but i'm going to say four out of five simply because of the fact that um re-examining it number one it really isn't a healthy relationship underneath Mm. all and number two the fact that the women are only ever talking about men when they're together so that is kind of even though i love the friendship it still is troubling that that's all they talk about so yeah, yeah, we we sort of start on a high note, and then the three yeah. main questions kind of like reassess your whole life. Yeah, we're like, never mind. <laughs> Which is a good thing to do, though. But yeah, yeah. that's mm-hmm. true. Um, Belle, yeah, I'd give it a four out of five as well. Um, I think I'm shocked. I, do you know what? I'm surprised. <laughs> but the thing is, I always compare it to all the other movies we've seen, and. I don't That's think anything, true. yeah, anything lives up to um, to this because I think this was really well done. I thought it was a yeah. very, um, very good screen. Um, it was a very good script. Um, mm-hmm. The directing was good. I thought the chemistry worked really nicely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I thought it worked really well. But um, 
it definitely had its downfalls like they shouldn't have ended up together but exactly. yeah <laughs> so that's me the doctor the point <laughs> team not hallie <laughs> oh Je- jason team jally jelly jelly um i think i'm gonna agree with you guys i will probably give it a i was gonna give it a 3.5 but i'm gonna give it a four because Mm. it is one of my favorite movies um of all time and it's i yeah my my whole kind of love with this movie is like i mentioned before is the soundtrack and how the love story kind of are so cohesive and the seasons um and it takes you it's like a love love letter to new york and Mm. like it's all framed Mm -hmm. around that and i always love um autumn in new york and i think it's just i love when a, a movie captures that so well um and that's like one of my one of my favorite things about it as well as like obviously meg ryan she is phenomenal in any role she does um I love their kind of like chemistry in the beginning. It's like really playful and and funny, mm-hmm. and he kind of sets her straight in uh, in her ways and stuff. Although that's also like a disadvantage. Um, and yeah, I again, it's written by Nora Ephron, who is like one of my kind of heroes in terms of authors, and like she's like I think the one of the first people that's ever made me cry over a book. I've never had like experienced that before, um, and I think that just kind of nostalgia attached to it has like made me give this a four out of five yeah um so um yeah i think i think we're kind of done um yeah erin i have some questions for you if you don't mind okay. and it's about sure. your lovely lovely podcast um oh, thank you so uh yeah i just want to know like how did you kind of come up with the idea and how did you start the podcast and like yeah just about like your background in film i mean i'm always fascinated in that <laughs> Uh, well, I had wanted to start a podcast for a long time, for years and years, and I actually kind of toyed with a couple of other ideas. And then what happened was because um, I knew all these people who were in fandom, all these amazing women, uh, mainly through the shows Supernatural and The Mindy Project were the two main shows, which ironically, The Mindy Project has a whole scene where Chris Messina is yeah. running through the streets of, which Chris Messina is the best Chris out there anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, but so I just kind of threw out the idea of to some people that I knew and was like, would you ever want to be in a podcast? And a bunch of people said yes. And then I just kind of came up with it being about fandom stuff and being about different fandoms though, and being about different media you consume in television and movies and just covering every genre Mm -hmm. because I wanted to do that so that it would be something where it wasn't just one thing where I could cover different things that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. have people on that are interested in things that I'm not necessarily interested in. Like I'm recording two podcasts uh, this weekend for my podcast and they're both shows I don't watch. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting when I do those mm-hmm. because then I'm just kind of moderating and learning about yeah. those. Yeah. Um, but, and so, and I ended up having a bunch of people that wanted to join in and we've got about 10 regular people that come on and then a few, and then some others. And we've had, you know, we've had amazing guests on. Um, we've had a great guest panelists. I started mm-hmm. doing interviews. I started adding interviews into it, yeah. uh, which I added last year. And then, um, and then I did. I've done a couple this year that I really am proud of. And those are actually some of my the most fun I've had are doing those interviews, which I love doing the panels. But doing the yeah. interviews, it's a little bit different. And I've 
gotten great feedback from them and my interview guests have all for the most part been amazing and um you know and i've mainly interviewed i've interviewed filmmakers this year is who i have yeah interviewed so yeah 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 so and i have my own little uh vision board of who i want to have on <laughs> including oh, christian that. bale That's so cute we should do a vision board <laughs> You should, because, I mean, one of the first uh, for this year, I had interviewed a few people last year, um, is this, he's an actor and he's a director and he's a writer, Josh Rubin, who I don't yes, know. Yes, I saw that. You know, yeah, yeah, I heard that episode. And he's great. And he was actually, he was came back with his fiance, who's also um, a director, Lauren Sick, and they both mm -hmm. came back and were on our Donnie Darko panel. And he's just an amazingly down-to-earth, kind, wonderful human being. And so it was great to be able to interview him. Yeah. And that was one that I was just like, you know, after I'd seen his movie, Scare Me, which is a horror comedy, I was like, okay, I'm putting this person, I want to interview him. Mm -hmm. Reached out to him and like within 24 hours, it was scheduled. So <laughs> it was pretty incredible. It was pretty, I mean, that was a very lucky thing, but yeah. And then just other people that I've interviewed um, and it just fascinates me. I used to want to be an actress was a lot of what I did. I had my own me too moment in the mm -hmm. film when I was in film school. And so that kind of made me stop acting. Yeah. Uh, but I also write and write screenplays and stuff and don't make a living at it yet. Um, but podcasting has become this thing like this is literally my second job is doing this yeah, and I don't get same. paid for it yet. <laughs> but it takes up, it consumes. And I think that's one thing people don't realize is podcasting. It takes a lot. It's a exactly, lot of work. Yeah. And people yeah. think you're just recording and then it's done. And that's, yeah. that's the easiest part is the recording part. <laughs> I hate editing. <laughs> um, um, my one, my, my next question is which fandom do you belong in? Like, well, I'll always be part of the Supernatural fandom, or SPN family as they're known, but I think that's a very toxic fandom at times. Um, yeah. The Mindy Project, but not so much because I kind of fell out of love with that show, except for the first couple of seasons. Um, and then just, it's weird because I don't know, I think film is the big thing that I am in. Horror, of course. I love horror. Yeah. Absolutely love horror films. Yeah. Um, and so that, um, I'm, I'm a big awards geek. I'm a big Oscar geek. So that's a big thing that I'm into too. Yes, so yes. I would say that's another one. Um, but yeah, yeah. I would say the biggest ones as far as like where I'm know the most people is supernatural would be the biggest one for sure. Just because I just know yeah. so many people in that fandom. That's the majority of people that have been on my podcast that are panelists. That's how I met them was through Supernatural. Even the wow, ones that live yeah. here in Colorado, that's where oh. I met them was through Supernatural. That's <laughs> yeah, and we do like gift exchanges every year. We do like wow. a, we, we do oh, like a Galentine's Day so from Parks and Rec. We do Galentine's Day every year. I love that. <laughs> oh. I wanted to do that. I was like, I was thinking of doing that this year, but obviously with, with the restrictions, we're not allowed to. Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, that's a really good idea. Um, uh, yeah, so do you have any like three tips for us? Because we're quite new at this. Um, but yeah. Um, three tips would definitely be, um, I think this, trying to have other people on your show is a good tip. 
um, interacting with other people in the podcast community because it's an amazing community community the independent podcasters that's one thing i have learned there are some great people you will meet i do think sometimes there can be snobbery in the more (laughs) recognizable ones or the The ones that are yeah Yeah. um not to disparage any i'm not going to name names or anything but you can see that um i would also say the biggest thing as far as like for when you reach out for interviews and you do interviews just do it the worst that can happen is someone's going to say no. That's the biggest thing. Because if there's yeah. like an actor yeah. or anyone like that, if you're able to get their information, just ask them. Because I mean, I've been yeah. very fortunate. We've had a couple that have either turned it down or wanted us to pay them. I'm like, I'm not paying you to be on. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you should pay me. <laughs> Um, but that's the thing is just ask, you never know. And, you know, and yeah, so Mm -hmm. that's, that's the other thing. Um, the other thing is not to be afraid to ask. Well, I mean, you are both doing it together. So I guess that's a little bit different, but I know for me, I had to eventually, now I have people helping me with like my Instagram and Facebook because I don't understand Instagram. So that helps a lot. I have someone that's technically my producer. And so she does a lot of other stuff like helping with interviews and helping get interviews and that kind of thing. Um, mm. So trying to find a team if you can, that are willing to, cause you know, if you're not able to pay, then that's the other big thing is that, you know, finding a team that's willing to yeah, help just yeah, to help yeah. you and yeah. not take it all yeah. on yourself. And just, I mean, I think you already have realized it's just, it's a lot more work than you think it's going to be. So love what you're doing. Yeah. If it's, Love what you're covering. Don't mm. do something that you're going to be like, okay, five episodes in, this is boring, and I don't want to talk about this anymore. Yeah. That's probably the yeah, biggest yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's, I think, one of the things that I'm, like, trying now to, like, is just get more people mm-hmm. on it. And, like, I mean, even, like, reaching out to you is such a long shot because I was like, <laughs> she probably doesn't want to do it, and I'm forcing her. <laughs> but, like, it was, yeah, it was, I mean, like, when you responded, I was like, oh, my God, someone wants to be on our show. so much for agreeing to be like one of the first i mean the first podcaster (laughs) as on our on our our little show um and as always like we'd love to have you back just let us know of um your other favorite rom-coms um oh did we ask you that no i don't (laughs) sorry no that's okay i'm so excited for the episode uh Um, yeah so yeah if you want to end on that yeah well, this is definitely one of them. When Harry met Sally, um, I'll just give a few others. I love Ten Things I Hate About yep. You. Um, I love Thirteen, oh, 13 Going on Thirty. Yes. I love that movie so much. Yes. Okay, you should come on because I'm a big Mark Ruffalo. Oh, fan, I love Mark Ruffalo. And every episode we mention him. Okay, that's it's fine. Um, I love it. It's and then speaking of Ryan Reynolds, I love definitely maybe. Oh gosh, yes. Favorite. Yeah. Uh, That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Is that Isla Fisher? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. Yes, it is. One. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, I love yeah. all those movies. Um. But yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um. But yeah, honestly, thank you so much for for doing this and taking a chance on us. Oh, thank you um, for having me. Seriously, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you. No, honestly, open door policy. Exactly. Whenever you have a 
whenever we announce it, just let us know. Okay. Um, you're already coming back on 13, going on 30 whenever we do that one. Yes, definitely. Um, uh, yeah, if you just want to plug mm. all your socials, if you just want to let know, let people know where they can find you, Instagram, Twitter, everything. Mm. Yeah, you can find us on Facebook at It's a Fandom Thing Pod or Facebook.com slash It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On Twitter at Fandom Thing Pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. And we're available on all the big podcast platforms. So, yeah. We'll link everything awesome. down below. Thank um, you. So um, you can easily find us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I'm going to try and say bye until this finishes. You can always find us at, um, at Flick Talk Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And our email is at Flick Talk Podcast number one at gmail.com. Send us anything except for hate comments. <laughs> They're never welcome. Um, exactly. But yeah. We love the rest of you guys. <laughs> Sorry. Um, as always, we are at Flip Talk Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and our Gmail is at Flick Talk Podcast number one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you're new, um, give us a subscribe. Um, we loved recording this episode. And, and um, again, a massive thank you to Erin. Um, and I think with that, um, we're going to say goodbye. We're going to bid you adieu, guys. Thank you so much once again. Bye. And we appreciate you all. Take, Take care. care. Bye. Bye.